0: 90% of all scientists that have ever been alive are alive today. That's a lot of information, but don't panic. It's not an exact science.
1: Hey, Shannon, how are you? Uh,
0: Pretty good, pretty good. Excited about, you know, half of a week off, so that's exciting.
1: Oh, see, we actually have the entire week off, technically. Uh,
0: (laughs) You know, my son has the entire week off as well. Um, I I broke down instead of being super mean because I'm over that now as a professor. Um, I'm showing a video tomorrow in class. So <laughs> <laughs> now they're gonna get quizzed on the video, so it's not a completely wasted day. But you can find the video on Netflix, and I said, I don't care how you watch it, just watch it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Yeah. It's uh, no. We have the students have the whole week off, but. I was in the lab uh, today (laughs) doing some work, and we'll be for, you know, a few days. We're recording this a little early this week because it's Thanksgiving week, and there will be lots of travel going on in the U.S. Thursday, Friday.
0: Yes, exactly. I do say it's nice to be in the lab when no one's around.
1: Oh, yeah, it really (laughs) is. That's Uh one of the sequences of experiments that I ran a few years ago to actually we generated a data set for an entire paper over Thanksgiving break because there was nobody in the building and the electrical noise was so quiet. I could get gorgeous data. <laughs>
0: oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that is true. Um, our We have issues when um, the janitors go up and down the hall and they're a little zamboni. That always yeah. causes a lot of problems.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's nice and it's quiet. But it was a long day. I had probably, I don't know, Ten and a half or eleven hours of doing some electrical work in the lab today.
0: I know how you feel. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, how's the magnetometer holding up?
0: Oh man. Uh like I've said before and will say for the next year, I don't want to jinx it, knock on this synthetic wood table. Um <laughs> but it looks pretty good, man.
1: <laughs> all right.
0: Uh, I mean it's got my blood, sweat, and tears all over it, but I cleaned that up mostly. <laughs>
1: Oh, that reminds me of an undergrad professor, well, you had him too, that handed out (laughs) his homework requirements, and one of them was that your homework be neatly done and on clean paper, and it said, i.e., no coffee, blood, sweat, or tears, (laughs) and I think he was pretty serious about the tears part.
0: Oh, yeah, Uh, I recall those homework problems, (laughs) not (laughs) fondly, (laughs) not at all. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But So you've been doing a lot in the lab and learning a lot about electronics and some of the things that I end up doing a lot in our lab. So I thought it'd be fun to talk through your experience and also just kind of talk about how we approach things that we don't know and how we learn and get around them. Because that's something during the course of graduate work or being a researcher that you have to do pretty much every day is say, oh... This is a completely different field that I know nothing about, but I have three days to figure it out.
0: <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so that's interesting because there's different levels of learning in general, right? I mean, we're not going to get into, like, Bloom's taxonomy, but just, like, for us on an everyday issue. So, okay, I need to know the geologic background about this place. I'm going to look up five or six papers, get a good idea, move on. You know, that's enough for me to teach my class, something like that. But, you know, this magnetometer thing, I mean, that was, as I've lamented on this show, I mean, this has been, you know, a six, ten-month process, and that's a lot more learning.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it was something that was, I mean, when you're reading a geology paper, it's in the field that you're comfortable with. Right. This was not.
0: (laughs) It was not. (laughs) Um, The rock going into the machine, I got that. I understand that rock. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but once, whatever happens in that mysterious, like, cylinder, don't got that. Um, but I, I've been walking around joking that I could make a magnetometer now out of, like, MacGyver one out of stuff I find in the trash, because I understand the system so much better. But, I mean, I, I've been a worker in that lab, minus the five years I was in the petroleum industry, since 2001. I probably should have known a little bit more about that magnetometer than I did, and I'm ashamed to say that.
1: Well, so, I mean, didn't you do maintenance?
0: Yes. So, like, daily maintenance and even weekly maintenance, I understood. You know, okay. like. Basically, like, what the parts were, where not to stick your finger. (laughs) (laughs) You don't want your rock to fall out of the tube and get stuck down here. I got that. Like, I know what the things are called. Um, And I sort of know how to tweak the electronics. But how they talk to each other, no clue. How you interfaced with the program, I mean, I could sit down and open the program and run it. But how the electronics interface with the program, no clue. Not not at all. Um, super scared <laughs> to touch anything because, you know, we're warned, at, at, well, as an undergrad worker, and I do this to our undergrad workers now, too, because there are a few things that if you don't monitor it correctly, you could have some really big trouble. Um, so I scare people because <laughs> that's how I was taught. <laughs> exactly. And, and so I got, I didn't ever experiment with it, right? Because I was too scared and... Having to talk to an electrical engineer, both the guy at the company and our electrical engineer locally, like I learned so much, number one, because I had to, Um, but man, it was really rewarding taking the, I'm not going to say thousands, it was not thousands of hours, not even close, but you know, tens of maybe up to a hundreds hours to figure out all this electronic stuff that I just usually ask you about and move on (laughs) (laughs)
1: Well, and, I mean, it's really nice once you understand how the machine works because you're not scared of it anymore. You're not saying, oh, I hope this doesn't break. Well, you probably still say that a little bit, but it's more like, well, if this breaks, it's not the end of the world. It's just a a thing that needs to be fixed.
0: Yes, exactly. Whereas I thought, because there's only... I mean, this is a whole step process, and when we talked about doing this show, I kind of sat down and wrote out everything that happened to me, and it was kind of a neat little road map about how to solve a problem or how I go about solving a problem. Um, And that was one of the cool things that came out of it because there's only one company that makes this machine. It's actually two separate companies, but they work together. One makes the hardware. One makes all the electronics and software and plugs it in and makes it work. And so... It was a really interesting sort of dilemma because that's the only people I have to talk to. And at first, the electrical engineer and I did not get along very well, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, Um, (laughs) at all. So that kind of sucked. Now we're besties, so it's great. But um, (laughs) so that was that was interesting because I had no other recourse. You know, sometimes if you're trying to solve a problem and something doesn't work, you can. Totally switch direction and solve it a different way, but these were the only people I could talk to, and that was um, that was sort of an interesting hurdle on how to move forward with this big magnetometer problem. Something I had to like say, "All right, I don't know it all. Don't act like I know it all. Just listen to these people and learn from them." And in the end, that's what I did, and it was super great.
1: Right. I mean, it is definitely different when you're dealing with hardware compared to, you know, say in the business world, you would synergize or in the (laughs) academic world, you would collaborate with someone, meaning that they would write that section of the paper. With hardware, it works or it doesn't. And it's a pretty darn clear line.
0: (laughs) That's right. And they're out in California and they are so busy because they're the only company that makes this that, you know, we couldn't have a tech come out because he's the only guy there <laughs> so like he couldn't come out for a week and just do this down in the lab on his own and troubleshoot everything like he and i did it through skype um and so yeah it was um it was really interesting and that was really the best thing that came out of it was that this guy finally told me he's like don't be afraid of it, this stuff like i was afraid of it and he's like mess around with it and figure out how it works and you'll be better than you know, three-quarters of the people that run these machines because they won't do this, and now you've got a chance to do it because I basically rebuilt the thing. Um, So it was very interesting, and I, th- I don't think I'll ever forget that. Like, it was really good advice.
1: Yeah, so I guess I'm curious, how did you start approaching the machine once it was broken and you were talking to him off and on? Like, <laughs> what what was your process when you walked up to it? <laughs>
0: Well, usually I'd kick it, but I guess you mean. <laughs> uh, I guess you mean mentally, right? Um, right. <laughs> so it was funny. So when it first started messing up, um, it seemed like a simple thing, and I was like, "Okay, I got this," you know. And all I knew how to do basically was tell the computer to do its thing, which it wasn't doing correctly, and then how to like unscrew a few things and screw them back on. <laughs> so that's like the mechanical equivalent of starting, rebooting my computer. Rebooting, right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, hmm, this didn't work. And that's when I had to really say, okay, this is going to be a lot more than, you know, reading five papers, presenting it in, in an hour-long class and moving on. Like, I really have to get into this. Um, And so contacting them was the first thing. And just listening and being berated a little bit for not knowing a lot. And I will say there's not a lot of manuals on this stuff. So there is that. I probably could have done a little bit more searching. Um, And that was sort of the big thing. And then we started really troubleshooting with him on Skype, telling us what to do, me, you know, waving the iPad around so he could see all the different parts, (laughs) which was awful. (laughs) But it was the only thing that we could do. Um, (laughs) So we did that and just spending the time with it. That's a big deal. Like, I don't know about you. Like, I, I want stuff to be like, Done. I want to figure it out and move on. But I had to stop a lot and say, nope, you haven't figured this out. You have to sit here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, this was when we talked about Maker Faire. This was one of Grant Imahara's rules, and I've read it from several other people, too. And it really does work that you stare at the problem and you stare at the problem. (laughs) And for a little bit, it's time to walk away. Go get a cup of coffee. Go on a walk. Come back. And stare at the problem. And that is that is the way to ultimately do your troubleshooting is to oh. just start systematically marching through the system. But that's something that I think is not obvious to people that don't regularly troubleshoot. Is It's just like, well, it could be this or it could be this or it could be this. But right. not we're going to go back to the, the source. They're going to go back to where the signal comes out or where it t- hooks to the computer. And we're just going to start marching away from that point until we find the problem.
0: So two things out of that. I want to ask, how do you feel about that process? Because to me, sitting there and thinking about it, I mean, while that is fun and completely fruitful and it should happen, I get really frustrated. So I don't know about you when you're trying to solve something.
1: I I like it. It's like a puzzle.
0: Ugh, but there's just sitting there and waiting for inspiration to strike. <laughs> like well, it just th- th- kills there me. There is
1: doing that you can can do during that process. Uh,
0: that is I mean, true.
1: sure, if if you've been staring at it for a month, it could be yeah. frustrating. Yeah. But especially, like I said, I I like saying, okay, I am here in this circuit schematic, machine program, whatever. Am I confident that everything up to this point works? Right. Yes or no, and if I say yes, it's like okay, great, I can forget about all of that
0: now. Gotcha. take um, a step forward so this happened to us a couple of times, like learning this lesson, and it was actually at the end um of this whole process um well, two things that you just mentioned. so one thing was we found out you know something we think we would fix, and then we'd find out that something else was broken. <laughs> Right. (laughs) Which, I mean, in the my husband's a mechanic, so in the automotive industry, they call that, you know, throwing parts at it. But (laughs) in some cases, that really happens, right? You uncover another problem (laughs) while you're working with this big problem. Um, But then in the very end, I think we were so eager to get it finished, and we had been working so long on it, you know, a couple of days straight on Skype all day long, that we overlooked a really simple fix which maybe if we had just stopped for an hour or so thought about it we wouldn't have had to spend that eight hours fixing this simple thing
1: you know the simple ones are the hard ones to find every time
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yes exactly um it's like you know
1: you're trying to figure out why part of your machine doesn't work and you don't start at the source like you look and say, yeah, it's plugged into the wall, but, oh, the outlet <laughs> broke and doesn't have power, and right. you spent all day trying to troubleshoot what turns out to be a bad outlet in the building.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yes, right, exactly. Um, I had a friend who bought a dryer off of Craigslist recently and <laughs> thought it was broken, was getting ready to call the guy and complain to him, and it turned out her breaker switch was mislabeled on and off, so. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so she thought it was on, and it was off. <laughs> <laughs> again something that if you stop and think before you go into these (laughs) crazy things you can figure it out um that's a really cool this this doesn't just work for like electronics or anything but that is a really cool and a really good tool the sitting and thinking that i don't think enough people do like in everything that they do um my friend's boss he got this new job And the boss said, one day a week, I want to walk by and see your feet up on the desk and you not touching email or anything like that. Hmm. And I thought that was amazing. And he wanted them to spend a day thinking about the geologic problems they were solving because it was that important that you got to sit there not being productive on your computer because he understood the value of that mental productivity in just taking a step back. And man, I thought that's the best boss that has ever lived (laughs)
1: Yeah, that sounds amazing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, I mean, there is that that urge uh, when you're approaching a problem to go in and, you know, electrically start yanking wires or <laughs> in code start just digging around, changing everything. And that That is the path of madness.
0: Yeah. Right. Exactly. The systematic approach is definitely the way to go. Um, which, again... Well, and that's so,
1: hard. <laughs> oh, oh, it is. And the other thing that's really frustrating uh, a couple of students have experienced this during the semester project phase for our course. <laughs> if somebody that has done similar things before or is experienced in that field comes up and they've seen this exact problem before, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, you said when your husband's working on cars, if somebody comes in and they have this noise, and he listens to the noise and says, that's a bad CV joint. Right. It's, it is incredibly frustrating. Yes. To a beginner to be, I just spent six hours on that. You walked by and looked at it, moved one wire and it just turned on.
0: Oh man. There's so much to say about that one thing right there. You know, like you have to spend that six hours getting frustrated and not knowing what it is. I, oh, absolutely. I, Otherwise, you'll never
1: be at that other point.
0: Exactly. Like, like that's when you learn, and it is the most frustrating part. Like, you want to know, I'm very bad about this. I am a know-it-all, and I want to know everything about everything. So <laughs> it's super frustrating to not understand that. It's really funny, because I see this in my kid, too. He's seven, and he's already mastered the universe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's pretty hilarious. Um, so if you don't earn that knowledge yourself by spending that six hours, I mean it stinks when that guy walks by and you want to punch him in the face. But
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know it's one of those things where if you just knew that, you wouldn't have gained. <laughs> like you learned so much that you didn't need to necessarily learn at that point in time along exactly. your troubleshooting path. But it comes exactly. in invaluable later when one of those things that you saw in that path is something that the next person's having a problem with.
0: Exactly. And how do you explain that to the beginner who just wants to punch your face when you say that to
1: him? Oh, exactly. <laughs> I, I and I understand the frustration. I'm there okay. often yeah. with right. lots of different things, and Great. it's it's difficult. So it, uh, yeah. So I guess how did you learn some of the skills that you needed? to do the troubleshooting. I'm curious.
0: So, I mean, for me personally, mine was really that. Like, I want to be a know-it-all. So it's hard to step back and say, I don't know this. I know you think I'm incompetent, but you have to teach me this. And then I will own that skill and I have it. And that's literally what I had to do um, with this poor electrical engineer that was holding my hand. Um, (laughs) And I, I kept saying, I'm a geologist. That rock, I got that covered. I don't understand this there's no one here to help me. You want me to fix it remotely. You have to go back and explain more than just turn this thing. You need to tell me about some theory. Right. And he, (laughs) once he realized that I did really want to learn and that I was, while incompetent, I was teachable, (laughs) um, (laughs) that's, that's what we did. Because like I said, there's not a lot of manuals for this stuff. This is I mean, I don't know if it's because the system's so proprietary or people just don't attempt to do this kind of stuff themselves on it. So I asked several times, what can I read? Tell me what I can read. And he's like, there's nothing to read. We're just going to have to spend time doing it. And so that's what we did. And I had to suck off and be like, I don't understand any of this. I don't know what a potentiometer is. I mean, fundamentally, I know, but <laughs> I can't look at your circuit board and tell where it is, you know. And so we did a lot of that. And... I learned so much by listening to him not just tell me how to troubleshoot but to talk about what we were doing and why and how everything talked to each other. That was the thing that I really had no idea about. And that was so excellent.
1: That's awesome, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was. And, I I mean, I owe this guy so much because I was completely incompetent. I didn't – he yelled that at me once, but (laughs) (laughs) – but you know he also after a while realized like I said that I wanted to learn and I think that's a a big deal if you are on the learning stage because you're going to get so frustrated that you just have to you got to suck it up a little bit you know what I mean and admit what you don't know and not be afraid to ask the dumb questions because that's what I had to do and I learned 80 times as much than if I just would have been like just tell me what to turn and we'll get this over with you know
1: yeah well and you have to remember too that while you think it's a dumb question, or maybe even he thinks it's a dumb question, that you know he went to school for probably four-plus years to be an electrical engineer, right. and you have none of that training. And it's not like you're going to go pick up a E 101 textbook, <laughs> flip through it over the weekend, and come back in and be like, I got this.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which I think was what he finally got across because I actually explained some stuff to him that he didn't know, which was kind of cool about like how we use it, like, you know, what what it's used for, essentially. So that was kind of neat to actually have some sort of sharing of the knowledge. Um, the other thing was like he told me when we were off the phone, I mean, he said, you know, when we get off the phone, mess around with this. He said, you're not going to hurt it but understand, like, its limits. Right. And that was a big deal, I think, because, you know, trying to set this potentiometer, and we couldn't get it right, and it wasn't talking to anything correctly. And so he made us, you know, crank it all the way one direction, watch what happened, watch what everything did, crank it all the way the other direction, and then we sort of, you know, sine waved into the (laughs) correct amplitude of it. Um, But that was a big deal, too. He's like, know the limits of everything, and then you'll know how it's really supposed to work.
1: Yeah, I guess that's kind of the, the approach we take in geology a lot of time, right? We, we think yeah. about the two in-member cases.
0: Exactly. And then
1: we say, well, it's really somewhere in the middle.
0: Right, yeah. Because <laughs> you're never going to find a meandering river or a purely braided stream. <laughs> exactly. always one of both. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that was, uh, that was really helpful, too. You know, was basically messing it up and figuring out how to fix it. It's so, a controlled situation.
1: <laughs> so I'm curious, did how much Googling was involved with it? Was this a situation where Googling <laughs> was able to help you? Like, you're looking up how stepper motors work, or was it a situation where it's, I don't know the proper terms to Google, or is it a situation where you Google and it's an overwhelming amount of information?
0: I think that, um, and I, I keep going back to this because this was a really big realization for me about how much I wanted to be a know-it-all. Because I just asked, I didn't even know what to do. And, you know, you hate that when students ask that, because how do you start that? When they sit there and say, I don't even know what to ask. Yeah. And you think they're being lazy. And sometimes that's not true. Sometimes they truly are so lost or just don't grasp it enough to even know where to start. And that is exactly where I was. I didn't know how to Google that. (laughs) You know, I found the stepper motor info online, but that was like the spec sheet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know. I mean, I knew what this stuff was fundamentally. I've taken physics after all, but you know what I mean? I didn't know how it interacted. So I had to do stuff like suck it up and ask you. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, how
1: would you know that when you're looking for how to drive one of these, you need to look for H bridge, bipolar, stepper motor driver. Like
0: right. that, that's
1: not something that you're just going to go. Oh yeah
0: right exactly and the two motors because it's got this sample handler that moves the rock in the tube and then rotates it so it's got you know rotation motor and translation motor and they're the only things that have anything written on them that I could even look up the only thing with like a part name and number right (laughs) everything else is just some kind of piece of electronics that is unfindable for me um (laughs) And I guess the other answer was, and this is where the tech had, he'd had enough, there was some mechanical issue and it was something easy. He was right about that. He said, I think this is something easy, but I'm not there. You need to find a local EE, so a local electrical engineer to come look at this for you. And this is what was mind blowing because I dragged <laughs> our amazing electrical engineer from down the hall, um that i always just exchanged pleasantries with i dragged him in there and he told me so much about the system all this stuff that i thought was super you know proprietary and no one knows how to do this except this one company he's like oh no 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 he's like this is this this is this i wouldn't build it this way (laughs) (laughs) which was the funniest part um And just, he said, you know, this is just a regular box. Look, and he opened up the electronics, which I'm freaking out. Like, don't you need gloves? Oh, my God. And he sticks his finger in there. I'm like, oh, no. (laughs) Um, But he's been doing it for 50 years, so he knows what's up. And he he explained to me, you know, what every single thing was. And it was, that was the best part of the whole learning thing was to be able to say, okay, well, what does this little thing do? And why is this special? He's like, it's not special. You could have done it this way or this way or this way oh
1: yes there are Uh, many many ways to skin the cat
0: uh uh-huh and i think that's this you know super uber proprietary perfect system where he's like no you could do this to make it better you could do this and it would be worse and this is why they did this that was the best part of all of it
1: you haven't been to parties with many engineers have you
0: (laughs) no i like to keep my parties to meteorologists and geologists (laughs)
1: it's entertaining when the argument breaks out about why the tv remote was designed so badly
0: oh my gosh Uh. (laughs) no we used to build dry ice tornadoes and then talk about you know dynamics (laughs)
1: nerds
0: (laughs) while the weather channel music was playing in the background (laughs) Uh, i'm not kidding about that there were people that had recorded like on a vcr old like weather events and they would play them at parties (laughs) (laughs) Oof. <laughs> and I'm not talking about students. These were professional meteorologists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was amazing.
1: Well, it's, uh, you know, we did a demo in class oh, maybe two weeks ago now that I thought was a pretty cool demo. It's one I, I borrowed from Alan Wolke, and basically we were looking at how electrical impedance is similar to seismic impedance. And so I sent a square wave down this long piece of cable, and it hit an impedance contrast at the end. There was air. And it bounced back, okay. just like a seismic wave does. And so, anyway, we were going through all this. And I was like, this is a really cool trick to show at parties. <laughs> and they just stared at me. I was like, if you party with engineers. but." <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, man. <laughs> yep. <laughs> See, that's no nerdier than the Weather Channel, so I have it's, nothing to say.
1: <laughs> it's true. But it is a lot of fun, and it's something that we keep iterating uh, reiterating in class is that there are building blocks in every field, and once you learn how to recognize those building blocks, you can start to piece together how a system works
0: right exactly, and so in this case, you know, I had to have a problem, a really big problem in order for me to go do that I mean, in the back of my mind, sure, I always knew I should know exactly how the magnetometer works, you know um. And how the electronics work, more importantly. I know physically how the magnetometer works. And it took this huge catastrophic meltdown for me to spend the time, which I never would have done, to learn it. And it was worth every second. I mean, there were some seconds I wanted to beat it with a hammer, but.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we're all busy, right? So it's it's right. impossible. There are a lot of things that I would love to know, but probably won't <laughs> Right, exactly. get hammered by it yeah
0: yeah and so i mean this is why you keep a wide circle of friends so i can say john the software isn't working <laughs> what's wrong with it <laughs> and why i married a mechanic because i drive old crappy cars so that's always good too
1: <laughs> isn't it always the mechanics cars that run the worst though
0: oh no see i always heard it was the contractors houses that were never finished
1: oh uh, okay fair yeah, enough you know <laughs> so I- i'm How, when you are curious about something, when you encounter a problem, when you decide that you need to learn something, what's your normal MO?
0: Man, I, as nerdy as this is, I think it's the library, right? That's my, that's my first go-to.
1: Interesting. Not even,
0: I mean, not even Google, really. Maybe Hmm. Wikipedia, then the library. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love Wikipedia. I'm not one of those people that hates it. I think it's great. So, you know, it depends on my level of needing to learn. Do I need it for a lecture in class or do I need it for, you know, a piece of research? Hmm. But both ways, I generally go to the library. Okay. Hmm. What about you?
1: Uh, GitHub? Is that where you go? <laughs> well, I, I generally start by Googling. Gotcha. Uh, or if I don't know what to Google, I try to find a similar product. Or something like that. I hang out on some forums a lot. I'm one of those people. So uh, I might I, I might ask a question theory. on a forum and see what other people have to say. Uh, but I really love, and this is actually what I've been doing at night instead of reading, which is not good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I will lay there in bed before I go to sleep and watch YouTube videos on how to do stuff that I'm interested in.
0: Wow. Really?
1: Yeah, and it's been maybe in the last year with Lynda.com and YouTube, maybe even a little more than a year. It's been getting more and more and more. Where it's like, hmm, I wonder how you machine this kind of weird shape out of a piece of metal, or I wonder how you do uh, silk screening. How do they silk screen T-shirts or control panels for instruments? Like, I'm curious huh. about that. So I'll just lay there and watch videos for a night or two about silk screening and turns out to be interesting
0: so you love that show how it's made right
1: oh yeah except (laughs) except you take that and you multiply it by about 10 and you you watch all these people do it and you realize that these are just physical processes that real humans do you know the stuff that you buy at the store that you buy from a company Mm
0: -hmm.
1: doesn't just appear and the factory is not this mysterious personless building where materials go in one end and products come out the other, but that there are people doing a physical process that you can learn and that you can do.
0: I never thought about YouTube. I will say if I have computer issues, I generally go to forums too.
1: Oh yeah. Stack overflow.
0: (laughs) Oh, is that, is that the one I need to go to? Okay. I just started like, you know, PC mag or something like that.
1: something Uh, you wouldn't read (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no it's uh, youtube is fascinating there are channels that i've started subscribing to that you know every like there's one channel where they put out a cad tip every friday and every wednesday they make a part they call it the wednesday widget and so i've watched those for a while now or there's one where they open up you know different products tear down tuesdays huh and so yeah, it's just it's an interesting way to to learn in a low pressure setting. You're just sitting there, somebody's explaining something to you, you're relaxed, and then I go to sleep.
0: See now this is this is interesting too, because this was sort of my question was gonna be my question to you when we were talking about this, because my stuff is very like problem focused. Like I got this problem and I've gotta solve it. And I know I've talked to you about like how do you get into programming and stuff like that. And a lot of times that's what you say. Like, what is your question that you want answered? But it sounds like this YouTube thing could lead to a bunch of stuff that maybe you didn't know you needed to know. But it winds up expanding how you do other things.
1: I think so. and That's interesting. Mostly it comes from, like, I look at something. I'm like, hmm. I wonder how they did that. And then I go search for it and watch it. And I say, Okay. And I may never need to know that information again, ever. Mm -hmm. Or at some point, and this has happened a couple times, I'll be working on something. I'll be like, hey, I kind of remember watching how to do something that could be useful here. And so you go back and you look it up again, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I could totally do that here.
0: Yeah, that is, that's really interesting because that's, I think it, I don't know if it becomes harder to learn, but maybe as you get sort of, Entrenched in your everyday job, you have this skill set and you master it, and sort of the little things around the periphery. But if you truly want to like do something different, you know how do you how do you go about learning that? And I think that's a good start.
1: Yeah, and well, I mean, so that's, Dave. That's interesting. Dave Jones, an Australian guy, uh, has these videos. He's the EEV blog, the Electronics Engineering Video Blog, and. <laughs> He had some older videos. I think people complained about them being too drawn out, so he doesn't seem to do many anymore. He had some videos where they would be like four or five part series about, I bought this thing, this piece of equipment, and it doesn't work, and you're just going to sit by me at the bench. I'm just going to turn the camera on, and I'm going to start troubleshooting and try to fix it. Huh. And so you would see, like, okay, he would he'd just be thinking out loud and he'd say, Okay, I'm gonna test the voltage here and oh okay, that looks fine. Hmm. Pulls out the schematic and oh, I think I'm gonna look here next because XYZ and test that and he Oh, okay, that, that looks suspicious. And three videos later and you spent four hours watching him, uh <laughs> he might get to the solution or he might come to and some of the videos, I think this is what made people really mad. At one series, there was a long series. He got to the end and he said, like, Yep, this is the problem, but can't get the parts. Oops. And that was the end. <laughs> <And> <laughs> but you learned so much by just listening to someone that was experienced work through a problem.
0: Right. Yeah, because why would you ever spend the time to do that? But obviously, there's huge value in it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's what lunch hours are for.
0: Right. Yeah, exactly. Because, I mean, you know, he could have, you know, pieced together that video and done a lot of editing. And I think you lose a lot there. Like, that's why, I don't know, some science shows and stuff like that, they sort of skip through all that hard work part to get to the fun parts. And I mm-hmm. think that disillusions some people on how science works.
1: <laughs> I mean, you go into the lab in the morning, you turn on your experiment. You go have lunch. You come back, and then you are like, "Oh, that's how black holes work, right?"
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, that's how. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> there is always like some weird music playing all through that lunch hour, where the uh, you know.
1: <laughs> and the computer makes beep, beep boop boop sounds. Yep.
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, that's that's a very interesting point, and I mean, it's not to say that. You have to be tedious, but you know you do. But there's value in it. It's not wasted time, which I think a lot of people, um, a lot of people don't value that, and they should.
1: Yeah, and there's a book I'm gonna link in the notes. Uh, it's called Debugging, and it's short. You can read it in a few hours. Okay. And it has a lot of really good rules, and he has these these war stories about. You know, here's a project that I was debugging and I'm a professional, I've been doing this forever and ever never and this had me totally stumped.
0: Huh.
1: Or it had somebody else totally stumped and they were what I would call pathological bugs. Like <laughs> um every every day in the afternoon when some accounting software was running on an old mainframe computer at this company, it would crash. But it always okay. crashed somewhere different in the software.
0: Uh. <laughs>
1: Never crashed in the same place twice. And uh. it drove them nuts trying to yeah. figure out what was causing this crash. All right. Do you have any guesses?
0: Same time, different place in the program. mm Nope.
1: It was a coffee machine.
0: No, gosh, I was going to say a toilet.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, they, ha- they had a coffee machine installed in the break room, and about the time in the afternoon when it kept failing, all the employees went on break and started using the coffee machine, and it caused a brownout that caused the program to crash. <laughs>
0: oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: And the, the, the second one, I won't give away all of his stories because you should go read the book, but the other one that was really good was working on video conferencing hardware. Back when you would have, like, six or eight phone lines going okay. at once to transfer the video <laughs> uh, pre-internet. And they had this image processing chip, and they kept having issues with it, again, locking up and crashing it. Different, different days, different situations. They could not do the first rule of troubleshooting, which is be able to make it do it again.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm.
1: So... It was just driving him nuts. And finally, he figured out, just by a process of elimination and thinking about it and hacking away at it forever, that it only happened when he wore plaid shirts. <laughs> and it turns out that as you stood up and the plaid pattern moved in front of the camera it caused a certain like visual aliasing condition uh, that caused the chip to crash oh God, so the manufacturer brilliant. of the chip literally asked him to mail his shirts in so they could reproduce the problem and help try to solve it
0: <laughs> that's amazing see everything's interconnected man nothing stands apart
1: oh not at all and from each other I mean, this is a little bit of a meandering dialogue here, but I think that it's really useful to just go tear into something and learn about it.
0: Yeah. I feel like this episode was our stepping back and cogitating on, you know, stuff. It's us giving time to this thing that's really important, even though it's, you know, we like to have structured stuff and talk about a specific topic, but... There is value in this time of just sitting down and talking, sitting down and thinking, even if it's something as awful as metacognition. So thinking about how you think.
1: Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and it's actually going to line up really well because next week we have special guests joining us.
0: Uh, I'm pretty excited about this one, mostly because I know nothing about it and I'm okay with that now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So Chris and Alicia from the Embedded.fm podcast are going to join us and we're going to talk some about how you can get started in learning about electronics and embedded software and all of these fun things because they're kind of in everything that we do now as scientists.
0: Yeah and I don't I don't recommend having a multiple thousands of dollars magnetometer break for you to get started in this. So
1: (laughs) so I think it'll be a lot of fun and I'm really curious to hear what their recommendations are and you should go check out their podcast uh, embedded.fm we'll link it in the show notes it's a blast to listen to and i think that they rival us on show titles often they have some pretty awesome ones
0: (laughs) yeah that's for sure (laughs) we'll do our best (laughs) yes
1: (laughs) but it's uh been about 40 minutes and we've been drinking our our tea and coffee as we're going along here which leads us into a topic For everybody's favorite segment of the show, Fun Paper Friday.
0: Yay. (laughs) Um, Man, I need to see a breakdown of how many urination-related papers (laughs) we've done. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) Um, Because I think the percentage is rather statistically significant. (laughs) But this one was pretty awesome. It was a much different one, and it was a little bit long, but it was totally... Worth it.
1: It's double spaced. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, inhibitory spillover, increased urination urgency facilitates impulse control in unrelated domains. By tuk or tuck, at all.
0: So I read that article to my husband, and he goes, "What?"
1: <laughs> it's not exactly a you know rolls off the tongue kind of title.
0: Uh No, no, it's not. But this was super great. um And it seemed like it was a pretty interesting psychological study. So there's been a lot of stuff done about um, self-control, right? And stuff that breaks down your self-control. But something that we have to do every day is sit there and drink and then we have to hold in our pee till we get to the bathroom, right? So that is an inhibitory response. So does that spill over, which I thought was hilarious, <laughs> <laughs> yep. into other actions that we do? So if we have this really good self-control of not peeing our pants every day, does that mean we can also inhibit things like, you know, getting a reward now versus getting a bigger reward a couple of days later? Um, and the results were really interesting.
1: Yeah, so they did several different studies mm-hmm. in here, uh, mostly using, it seemed like, students in their classes. Yep. <laughs>
0: uh, <laughs> That's what they're there for.
1: <laughs> yeah. And the so the first one, they had these Stroop tasks, which we've talked about before. So doing things like, tell me what color the word is, not what color it says.
0: Oh, so hard.
1: And that kind of thing. And they had the participants rank how much they need to go to the bathroom on a scale of one to seven uh, and complete these tests. And it turns out that needing to go to the bathroom, so inhibiting yourself from going to the bathroom, also inhibited uh, your sight sort of to to the words. You could perform better in these tests.
0: Right, because... If you see the word white, but it's actually colored black, and so your correct answer is black, because the question is, what color is the word? Right. Um Your first response is to read it, so that's the dominant response. So you have to inhibit your dominant response and just look at the color. So does having to inhibit your bladder make you better at inhibiting other dominant responses? Right. And it did. Gosh, that's weird. <laughs>
1: I know. I figured that you would be like, whatever, whatever. I just got to get out of here, man.
0: I know. know. That's exactly what I thought, too. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's whatever color you want it to be.
1: (laughs) It's yellow. It's (laughs) all yellow.
0: It's funny that they only used men because obviously pregnant women would be totally not okay for this trial. (laughs) (laughs) I will kill you if you don't let me go to the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. We'll just use men in this study. So, once they found that, this is why they moved on to these next studies, right? Because there was a correlation, and so they had to step it up a bit.
1: Right. And I love the method for these. <laughs> they would <laughs> give half the participants five cups of water and say that you're doing a water taste test, and you need to drink all of the water in all of these cups. And they told the other half, you're doing a water taste test, take a sip of water from each cup. So one group drank about 50 milliliters. One group drank about 700 milliliters. And then they just gave them a filler task for 45 minutes. So cruel. Just to let the pressure build a little. Uh, And then they gave them a choice, which was something like, would you rather get $16 tomorrow or $30 in 35 days? So you could think of this as, you know, the common everyday example would be, Do I swing through Chick-fil-A tonight on the way home, (laughs) or do I go home and cook dinner and save the money? Right. So do you get gratification now or gratification later?
0: Right. Mm -hmm. And then they ask them how bad they had to pee, basically. After, yeah. (laughs) Exactly. And uh, it turns out, yeah, if you had to pee a lot, so obviously these people who drank 700 milliliters and were forced to sit there for an hour, they were more likely to choose the $30 35 days from now,
1: which is fascinating. I, I mean, I guess that means you should go to the, the store when you have to pee.
0: Oh yeah. That's a good call. Yeah. <laughs> that is absolutely right. Like go car
1: shopping when you really need to go.
0: <laughs> You're like, no, I have to wait here until I drink this Nalgene and then I'll get out. sir. Do you have any
1: water? <laughs> I was told there would be bottles of water.
0: <laughs> um, so this was also encouraging, but they didn't stop there.
1: <laughs> oh, no. It, <laughs> it kept going. So study three tried to replicate the findings of study two. They used a pretty similar methodology. So they did the water thing. People did not cooperate quite as much in this one.
0: Yeah, I thought that was really funny. They said eight participants of the hundred didn't follow the water drinking procedures and I thought, man, you should just fail those kids now.
1: <laughs> yeah, well I mean they did they did uh throw them out of the of the trial.
0: That is true. But they probably still got a grade, but that's beside the point.
1: <laughs> right. And anyway. So then they measured them on this B I S B A S reward responsiveness scale which i have never heard of
0: no i didn't i didn't know any of this at all
1: they did this test on this scale that's apparently well accepted in their field and basically confirmed the same results saying that yes you would forego the immediate rewarding option for the long-term more beneficial option Uh, and then they went on one more step (laughs) to study four. Which is, can you get (laughs) inebriatory responses in completely unrelated domains from just cues?
0: This was so cruel.
1: (laughs) So they had people come in, and it was, you know, there's no water cups this time or anything like that. But you had a 10 by nine letter matrix, and it was one of those word search games. (laughs) Yay! So half the people found words like table, watching, hammer, and the other half found words like urination, toilet, bladder.
0: Huh. Oh, I hope tinkle was one of those words, too.
1: I imagine it was. <laughs> I was I, When I first started reading this, I was like, what are they going to do for the cue? Are they going to pipe sound in? Or, I know. <laughs> I, exactly. I I couldn't figure it out. But apparently just seeing urination related words made a statistically significant difference in how good of decisions you made
0: which is crazy that's so crazy so see when you're getting onto your kids for all that potty talk you shouldn't do it because it'll make you spend less money
1: i think this totally justifies the poop emoji
0: (laughs) or the peach emoji did you hear about that what so apparently I don't have an iPhone. Um, but the peach emoji is used as a as a surrogate for um buttox related words and they changed the peach emoji and it looks more like a peach and less like a butt now. And there was huge outrage, so Apple brought back the butt peach emoji.
1: <laughs> oh my. <laughs> These See John is why you're so much money, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you weren't fully connected to the words that you needed to inhibit yourself
1: <laughs>
0: oh man
1: so there you go when i'm you know going shopping for washer and dryer and all that when we're yeah. yep. trying to outfit the new house or going shopping for furniture i'm uh, just gonna <laughs> think about having to go to the bathroom
0: exactly <laughs> it's so weird but man this is cool it was a really interesting study and it'll definitely make me think twice
1: Yes, and you know they, they do cite. You can go and look. They say, well, there have been things that say contradictory to this, but they are not looking at kind of these natural built-in inhibitions that you have, like not peeing your pants.
0: Right, exactly. So yeah, that one is just a learned behavior not something you forcibly do you know so um right it's not like if you're better
1: at going past chick-fil-a every night then would you all no not that at all
0: no uh -uh. totally visceral which is what they call these visceral um inhibitory responses very interesting paper it was a good find
1: yeah yeah i thought it was a fun one so (laughs) if you have any kind of fun paper that you'd like us to talk about or if you have something to say about the show we did get a really nice note from Edwin, who said thanks for the show and was interested in some books that he could read. So maybe we'll have to do a holiday gift guide coming up.
0: Ooh, sounds good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but I know that you went ahead and sent some suggestions.
0: I did. I can't resist a, a, some question about a book, that's for sure.
1: Yeah. <laughs> but if you have anything like that that you'd like to talk to us about, Shannon, how can they get a hold of us?
0: yeah keep that coming it makes us feel good about ourselves and you can send <laughs> that to show at do um we're on twitter at don't panic geo i am at shannon doulan john is at geo underscore lehman and then always we're on the um swung slack channel swung.rocks and the don't panic
1: and until next week remember don't panic
0: it's not an exact science